Hello, America, and welcome to the Friday edition of John Solomon Reports, the podcast from Just the News, where overnight we had another FOIA, another Freedom of Information Act return from the state of Georgia that we think broke some important news. And uh, we're going to tell you about that in a second. Uh, we also have two amazing guests. Today. I want to focus on Russia. We're all been uh, so focused on COVID. We've been sp- focused on the election, uh, the uh, uh, Hunter Biden scandal. Those are all very important things. But Russia is a malign actor, and it's acting pretty badly right now. We now know that the Russians were behind the big hack on U.S. government computers. And we're seeing some movement of troops and other aggressive posturing going on in Eastern Europe. And so I'm not smart enough to make sense of all of this. So I I was smart enough to get two people who were. Uh, We're going to have with us the former CIA station chief for Moscow. Daniel Hoffman is here with us. Dan Hoffman is the premier Russian spy tradecraft expert in America. Nobody smarter about it. He's going to help us make sense of the hacking and what's going on. And then Susan Katzkeating, who is our great Pentagon reporter, will be here right after Dan to, well, uh, give us a readout on exactly what her reporting, what her Pentagon sources, what her military and security sources are telling her about troop amassing on the Belarus border by Russia, what's going on in the efforts to collaborate with Turkey uh, in Syria, uh, Ukraine, all the places where American and Western security analysts say they're seeing a more aggressive posture by Vladimir Putin. So Dan Hoffman, Susan Keating, I can't think of two better people to make sense of it. They're going to be here for the whole podcast. We are going to sort these things through, try to answer your questions, try to make sense of this very turbulent world that we live in. Uh, now, we're going to go to that in a few seconds. I want to do a commercial break first from our great sponsors. Before we do, I just want to tell you about this Georgia FOIA. It's important. Why is it important? Well, we've had testimony by Dominion uh, voting. We've had lots of statements. We've had legislators and congressmen look at this, and nobody knew about what we discovered last night. What is it? Well, we obtained emails, uh, uh, actually a bulletin, a memo, marked a bulletin, from the Georgia election officials, state election officials, to Fulton County. That's where Atlanta is, the largest urban voting center in all of the state of Georgia. Uh, and a few week, a few days before the election, about a week before Election Day, November 3rd, 2020, state election officials told Fulton County, hey, we just got alerted to a problem with Dominion voting software. It had, The machines have a limit that we didn't anticipate. 10,000 votes. If a machine gets to 10,000 votes, it can't count anymore. So Dominion suggests that if you start getting near that threshold, you crack open the machine, take out the um, uh, current memory card, and you replace it with another memory card, and then you take the memory card with all those votes on it, and you store it somewhere. And we found out that that happened 36 times just in Atlanta. There may be other places, but 36 times before Election Day was over, Uh, The uh, card that's supposed to remain sealed in the machine was taken out, put in a cabinet. I'm not making this up. This is what Atlanta's telling us. A locked cabinet uh, and a new card put in. Now, this is creates all sorts of questions. First off, why weren't we told about it? Where was the transparency on this? Secondly, uh, it raises a chain of custody. What happened to those cards? Who had access to the cabinet? How, when were they taken out? When were they removed? Why were they counted at the same time? Where was Georgia law complied with? All of this, uh, all new issues for um, the uh, Georgia election. Now, 
six weeks after it's over. We're just learning about these things with Dominion. And again, we're not suggesting there's a nefarious thing. We're suggesting there's a chain of custody and a glitch issue that wasn't made transparent to the American public. To read all that, go to justthenews.com and our, uh, my byline, Daniel Payne and Natalia Middlestadt. We all work together to break that story for you. Take a look at it. All right, we're going to go to that commercial break. When we come back, Daniel Hoffman is here with us, the former CIA station chief in Moscow, followed by my great colleague at Just the News, a great national security reporter, Pentagon reporter, Susan Katz-Keating. But first, a message from our amazing, and I do mean that, amazing sponsors and advertisers. We'll be right back. All right, folks, as we draw near to another critical election, it's not only about casting your vote. It's about elevating your voice, making your voice be heard. AMAC is more than just a senior discount organization. They unite like-minded patriots like you and I, committed to preserving our cherished values and actively opposing the leftist agenda that's sweeping across America. Just look at their recent victories. AMAC members helped to push forward an investigation into practices that inflate drug prices. They successfully defeated ranked choice voting in order to protect traditional voting methods, and they also helped block a federal takeover of elections. As AMAC's membership grows, Washington is listening. Every new member strengthens this movement. If you love America, visit AMAC, A-M-A-C dot U-S slash Just News to become a four-year member for just $30. That's a great discount. AMAC is not only better for America, it's better for you. Membership gives you access to the AMAC magazine, free Social Security and Medicare guidance, money-saving discounts, trusted news, sweepstakes, and so much more. It's a community, not a service. Take advantage of our election year sale, four years for just $30 at AMAC. By joining over 2 million Americans, they can't ignore your voice in Washington anymore. Join now at AMAC, AMAC.US slash Just News. That's AMAC.US forward slash Just News. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And as promised, a very special guest, somebody who really understands the world and particularly uh, our frenemy Russia uh, is the former CIA station chief in Moscow, Dan Hoffman. Dan, welcome back to the show. Thanks. It's always a real pleasure to join you on the program. Well, we're, we're so lucky to have you. Listen, so much has happened in the last week. My, my, my brain is still dizzied. I'm trying to figure out what, what to make sense of. Uh, let's start with these allegations of the big hack, uh, which seems like it might have been a long-term hack of government computers, private industry. Um, people keep saying it looks like it's Russia. Could you give us the best, you know, best analysis of what you think has happened and what we're learning in this process? Yeah, it looks like it was a hack from Russia's uh, external intelligence service. That's the SVR. They operate overseas. They use the Advanced Persistent Threat, APT-29. The SVR conducts espionage to steal information as opposed to the Russian military intelligence, the GRU, which is very active uh, in uh, in warfare and supporting the Russian warfighter in, in Georgia, for example, during the hybrid war. And it looks like this was just a massive cyber attack, which which began by all accounts last March, uh, and the Russians were able to penetrate uh, state and local uh, and federal uh, governments, Department of Homeland Security, wow. um, the Energy Department, our National Nuclear Security Administration, and uh, what they did was they used uh, kind of a, a Trojan horse backdoor, uh, a, a company called SolarWinds right. uh, that provides... Um, 
that provided some security software and the Russians installed their malware, how exactly they did it. We always used to like to say they're skin behind the keyboard. So they probably uh, conducted some sort of, uh, you know, operation sort of an operation. Yep. yep targeting, targeting uh, employees at SolarWinds. And uh, then they're in and, and they ripped, hit roughly 18,000 uh, SolarWinds customers oh. and demonstrated again the vulnerability, you know, when we've got uh, a private sector company who, you know, that's your weak link. If their security practices aren't good enough, then that's what happens. So FireEye, the cybersecurity company, uh, was able to detect this, uh, this penetration. But again, we're in incident response phase. You know, when you're talking about a cyber hack or a terrorist attack, the last place you want to be is right of boom, incident response. But that's where we are. Wow. Yeah, no, it's... Uh... And, you know, we heard a lot about uh, this Homeland Security Agency. I think the president fired the head of it not too long ago. But there was an agency in the Homeland Security Department that was supposed to harden all of our defenses there. Were they asleep at the switch? Was there a problem there? Uh, are the Russians just that good that our best people couldn't find it? Um, we, we hear about this Homeland Security Office. It, it feels like, hey, it gives us some comfort. We got somebody that 24-7 thinking about it. But it sounds like it took us seven months to find it, and it was someone in the private sector that discovered it, not the U.S. government. What are we to make of the, the homeland's apparatus that was designed to harden our defenses against this very type of attack? Well, I think – so this is an intelligence failure for sure. Uh, you know, the whole goal of intelligence is to detect threats way out left of boom and then preempt them before they're visited on right. our shores. I think we'll see a real post-mortem on this one uh, in the Congress with lots of hearings. At this point, it's probably too early to say where it went wrong. We've got Cyber Command with what they call persistent engagement, uh, tracking foreign adversaries to determine what they're doing. You've got the intelligence community, that's CIA, NSA in particular, collecting strategic intelligence and, and maybe even some tactical intelligence uh, from that. Imagine, you know, the Cardinal in the Kremlin who's telling you about Vladimir Putin's latest spying right. um, operation. Uh, why we didn't know about it and why we had to wait until nine months into this to detect it through technical means is going to be a major question for House Senate Intel committees, among others. And uh, what I hope is that the Biden administration will take an all-of-government approach here, bring together all the agencies who have been impacted, uh, and take the lessons learned, which are going to be quite significant, and try to evict the Russian hackers, because they're still there right now, and they've got you know persistent access to uh, to all of our uh, to all of our infrastructure, um, and then you know lessons learned, as you said, to harden our defenses. Yeah, there's that's something we're going to have to learn. This this is a big one. People I've talked to on the inside say this is the Pearl Harbor of cyber attacks. It was that extensive and. And uh, it's just such a remarkable thing to, to think that it went on for nine months undetected. Uh, any indication from what you know and you, you, uh, that the Russians also gained access to any election infrastructure, or do we still feel good that the election infrastructure was walled off from this? Yeah, there's no indication whatsoever that the Russians were able to access our election infrastructure. Yeah. In fact, it would be uh, very much in Vladimir Putin's playbook to kind of saint us with the idea that they're going to run you know, attacks in one direction towards the election as they did yep. you know, and then go in the other way. networking sites in 2016 and then go back and do this one, yep. uh, which is, you know, again, I think one of the key requirements for the intelligence community, and I say this to somebody who spent, you know, 30 years there, uh, what we need to learn now is how the Russians have all of this. They vacuumed up massive amounts of protected information, not, you know, necessarily all classified, but highly valuable to them. 
And the question that I'm sure is being asked my colleagues at CIA, well, how are the Russians going to weaponize it? How will they use it? Vladimir Putin is, you know, he served in the KGB. He was director of their internal security police, the FSB. He doesn't let this stuff sit on the shelf. He's going to use it. And so that's a big question for us is how are they going to use it and how will they share it with their nefarious allies like Iran or potentially China or North Korea? North Korea, right. Yeah, that's the big thing. Uh, While this cyber activity was going on, this uh, uh, cyber attack, uh, it looks like there's been quite a bit of movement. Uh, our good colleague Susan Keating uh, over the week uh, had a, a Polish uh, military strategist who just from taking photos was able to show a significant amassing of Russian troops in various areas around Belarus, around Ukraine, uh, and some of the other uh, Soviet republics that the Russians have always uh, craved to keep in their sphere of influence. Um, is this cyber activity designed to support his goal of kind of recreating the Russian empire in Eastern Europe. What, what are we to read of what, you know, I assume he ha- if he's moving troops, he feels like he's got some leg up. Uh, are you seeing some form of a more aggressive posture in Eastern Europe by, by Vladimir Putin? So I think actually with Putin right now, this is a reflection of his weakness uh, and his concern. So he's got a number of things that are really of grave concern to him. Start with uh, COVID, which is, really wrecked havoc on Russia's already decrepit healthcare system. Yeah. Uh, the economy is in dire straits because the price of oil has gone down. And, and Russia earns all their hard currency through export of hydrocarbons. And then there have been protests in Siberia, populist protests there. Nothing, you know, of great concern, but of some concern. But what really concerns Putin is a popular, a populist uprising on his border in Belarus. And uh, that is something that, you know, he's not going to let stand. And so what you saw him do, you know, months ago when he targeted uh, Alexei Navalny with the uh, Soviet uh, chemical weapon Novichok, I mean, they could have killed Navalny, whom they had surveilled reportedly for years, uh, with a swift, you know, hammer to the head. A bunch of goons could do that on Putin's behalf. But he deliberately left a trail of breadcrumbs back to the Kremlin, you know, a not-so-plausibly deniable attack it wasn't because Navalny is that much of a threat to Putin's regime. It's just he needs to demonstrate right now to his coterie that uh, he's ruthless and don't cross him or else, you know, you will uh, find yourself in dire straits. What scares Putin is democracy. And a guy like Boris Yeltsin, a 21st century version, who's not a uh, drunk all the time. Yeah, who could just the problem, say, you know, <laughs> Vladimir Putin's just not our guy anymore. He's not the guy we can trust. Um to administer all of our corrupt, ill-gotten gains, so we have to remove him. Uh, so Putin doesn't want that. He needs to demonstrate ruthlessness. And that, I think, is what we're seeing. The espionage against us is just a separate story. We're Russia's main enemy, Glavny Pratidnik. That'll never stop. They're going right. to conduct massive espionage operations against us. And that, that is, again, is something we'll have to deal with uh, for as long as Russia's on the map. Now, we always talk about optionality. What, what can the United States do to respond to Russia, to let them know that this was over the top, we're not taking it, this is an attack on uh, America? Uh, what, I know we have offensive cyber warfare tools that could embarrass uh, uh, him, but what do we do to punish him? I mean, we've hit him hard with sanctions after the election interference. Um, how do we tell him that this is, how do we pr- show him you don't do this to the United States of America? No, it's kind of too late, uh, yeah. you know, what, what, what do you want to, I mean, they've already conducted their operation, so we're, now we're mad about it. Well, they, 
you know, they succeeded and we failed. And now we run a lot of successful espionage operations against them. Right. Uh, we could, we could, you know, kick out Russian officials from the United States. We could kick out the SVR resident. That's the most senior SVR intelligence officer in the United States. We could do all those sorts of things if we wish. I think Putin's figuring that we wouldn't do that during this lame duck period. But at the end of the day, what, the best thing we can do is take the lessons learned, harden our defenses, get out with you know persistent engagement from cyber command out uh, in uh, in the networks and ensure that this doesn't happen again. Uh, because frankly, it could be worse. Yeah. yeah, I think that's really what we got to be doing. Um, double down on uh, on all of our efforts to uh, defend ourselves, and that means recruiting more sources, you know, inside Russia. That's what I'd be saying if I was CIA. That's what we got to be doing. Yeah, yeah. The best way to harm them is to get better spy operations and uh, and let them know we're better than them. Um, this is going to take a long time to unravel, and I think a long time for the American people to appreciate we're so focused on COVID, which you understand why, and the election and the change of guard and all the things that are going on. But this one feels like maybe the most significant attack on America's infrastructure that we've we've ever seen. Is it possible that there are vulnerabilities that Vladimir Putin learned from the system that could lead to further operations like an attack on our electric grid or on our uh, computer service infrastructure? Um, how quickly can the America harden up what he got a hold of? Right. I think that's part of the um, forensics that we're doing. Yeah. Uh, he wants to have all of this on the shelf right? so that, you know, Russia has the capability to harm us, to harm our nuclear capability or to harm whatever he wishes in the United States and cause great chaos here through cyberspace. Um, it doesn't mean he's going to use it anytime soon. And we are going to have to now go back over our protocols and change a lot of things. Uh, and again, that's all part of, you know, the massive amount of work that we have to do the damage assessment from what was done it's like imagine after snowden or after you know chelsea manning um it's the same thing you know you've got to do a big damage assessment see what you lost a treasure trove of documents in this case massive um a massive haul for russia and uh then determine you know how bad it was and then what we can do about it it, it, it make no mistake this is exceptional amount of work for our government right now yeah no it is and you can see people scrambling i've i've we've heard of whole systems being shut down for a day to to change ip addresses take all of the precautions you need to get the bad guys out but um everyone i've talked to said uh, john you can't believe how serious this is this was as bad an attack as america has ever seen and uh you know we've had warnings i remember uh, back in, uh, I think it was December of 12, right when Leon Panetta was stepping down as CIA director, he issued a warning that, you know, we were going to see in the next decade a Pearl Harbor of cyber attacks, and we really weren't uh, ready for it. And it sort of feels like uh, Leon Panetta's um, speech to the New York Economic Club uh, has played out here. Do you get, you feel like this is a major attack, right? Now, everyone you talk to is giving the same inkling, right? That this was a big deal, right? Oh, yeah. It yeah. is a big deal. And I don't think we know exactly how big because we're still in the forensic phase. We're yeah. trying to figure out how bad it was. It's kind of like, you know, in 2016, 2017, when Facebook is telling us a year later about all these other Russian intrusions right. that we didn't, that we didn't know, know about in 16, right? So the whole point of incident response is that it takes minutes, not months or years, because the longer it takes, the longer it takes you to, um, to deal with the damage that's being done. And so nine yeah. months. That's another issue. Like, that's a really long time. 
it is. you know, an attack like this is, uh, is one that you want to be able to detect immediately. So there was an issue there with our incident response being way too slow. And as you pointed out, we had to rely on a private sector firm, albeit an excellent cybersecurity yeah, firm. But right. why didn't we know ourselves? Yeah, no, for all the money we've invested yep, and the offices we created and the bureaucracies we've created, we really got let down by our uh, government experts uh, and our detection devices and whatever we needed in place. This is a a wake-up call of epic proportions. Last question, I just want to ask you quickly because it's been fascinating. Russia is one place we're watching all the time and and, and knowing, but uh, Turkey and the Turkish army and the possibility that they're going to trigger significant sanctions. What is Erdogan and... um, the Turkish military up to, and, and what's your assessment of the potential consequences for them? I mean, Turkey's just been a thorn in our side in just so many places. Yeah. Um, you know, they have been supporting uh, Muslim Brotherhood uh, throughout North Africa and the Middle East, including right. uh, in in Libya. Um, they are buying the S four hundreds. I mean, that is that should be a red line, obviously, for a NATO member. Yep, uh, they're up to all sorts of nefarious activities in in syria not being particularly helpful there as well so you know we've got a we've got a problem with turkey and uh this is just another case for the Biden administration really turkey and russia should are, have always been long-term you know strategic competitors right uh, and rivals and we really ought to be driving a wedge between the two of them right instead we're, we're almost having a merger going all right russia and them are playing footsie for the first time aren't they they are. And, you know, yeah. recall that, uh, was it, you know, three or so, four years ago when the Turks shot down a Russian aircraft, um, that drove their relationship kind of uh, to a bad place for a short amount of time. But what Russia does is because they intervened in, in Syria, uh, and again, it's the first time that Putin deployed, that Russia deployed troops since the fall of the Soviet Union overseas uh, back to the Middle East um, with a real purpose in mind, you know, Russia's got real skin in the game and that's what drives them and Turkey together. Cause they know that they need each other to solve the issues uh, at hand, even though they're kind of on opposite sides where the Russians and the Iranians are linked up with the Syrians and right. the Turks are not. But it, again, it's a, it's a pretty messy situation for us. And, and the Turks haven't been too great on human rights. They have and not. that's another issue that, that causes issues. I think the Biden administration will be taking that one pretty seriously. I, and then, They've also been the ones who publicized uh, the murder of Jamal Khashoggi. So, you know, and they did that because they they wanted to take one out on uh, on, the, on the Saudis, their yeah. their rival. So, uh, you know, this is uh, this is this is going to be a real challenge for another one for the for the Biden administration. You know, as if they don't have you know enough to deal with the North Korea and Iran and Russia and China and uh, transnational terrorism and a host of other things. Uh, we got this one too. Yeah, uh, there's so much to watch. Well, we're so lucky to have your insights, Dan. You're one of the one of the hey, true experts. Pleasure. Well, I really appreciate it. We wish you a Merry Christmas. And uh, same to you, and my friend. Same to you. Thank and your you for all you all do for our for our country. You're uh, you're a true American uh, hero. We we really do appreciate what oh, you've done and what you, you continue to do. So, all right, folks, we're going to come back after the commercial break. We'll be right back. Hey folks, if you're a homeowner and you're like me, you want to protect your home, right? But when's the last time you checked on the title to your home? If you never have, listen to this. A new report on homeowners shows we all now have $16 trillion in equity. That's an all-time high in America. That's why you need protection from a scam the FBI calls house stealing. 
That's when the equity in all of our homes is the target, sadly, of scammers. If nobody's watching the title to your home, these scammers can transfer your title to their name, take out loans, and your equity could be gone. Poof, gone. You have to protect your equity from this despicable crime right now with triple lock protection from my good friends at HomeTitleLock.com. The first step is to check on your home's title to see if it's still in your name. Sign up with your address at HomeTitleLock.com and be sure to use the promo code JUSTNEWS. They're going to send you a complete title scan of your home's title in your first 30 days of triple lock home title protection. That's legendary protection, by the way. It's free. HomeTitleLock.com. Use the promo code JUSTNEWS. One more time. Go to HomeTitleLock.com today and protect your most important asset, the equity in your home. All right, folks, welcome back from the commercial break. And on this very special Friday before Christmas, we figured we better bring in a special guest. And we did. We went to one of my esteemed colleagues here at Just the News. We're so lucky to have her, one of the greatest security uh, reporters of her generation uh, and anywhere in the world, quite frankly, Susan Katz-Keating. Susan, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. I'm so happy to be here. Huge fan of your work, John, and I absolutely love writing for Just the News. Well, we love that you're writing for us. We feel we hear so many times over the course of the day, readers who just enjoy the clarity, the scoopiness, the relevance of what you report were were, uh, special. And, you know, I, I look out at the industry today and there's so few people that know enough about their subject that are covering really important t- subjects that they can add the context and the analysis and the and, and the nuances that make a story come to life. And every one of your stories always does that. And I think we're we're just so blessed to have you. I'm, I'm so, so excited when I come in every day and see your your name atop a story. So thank you for what you do. And um, you had quite a run of stories this week, and I want to focus on it because it's easy to get our eye off the ball. We're talking about election integrity, COVID, COVID relief packages are all important stuff. But uh, one of our frenemies, uh, Russia, seems to have been uh, very busy during the election season. Maybe we had their, our eye off the ball on them a little bit, certainly in the news media, uh, maybe not in the government, but in the news media. Bring us up to speed on all the great reporting you've done this last uh, week or 10 days on Russia and its maneuvers around the world, particularly in Eastern Europe. Oh, John, it's just been phenomenal what's gone on. Uh, of course, everybody knows that all the discoveries about hacking keep coming out on a constant basis. It right. seems like. Every hour, we're finding new evidence of, of hacking, and of course, a lot of fingers, a lot of those breadcrumbs lead to Vladimir Putin, who, by the way, has been building up his military forces in the Western Military District. This is along the border with Eastern Europe. So in the past, say, like even as recently as 2012, uh, Russia has just had a very scant presence there in Western Europe, or, or, or along its Western uh, District, and it's has not really expected any kind of you know, invasion, any kind of military action, aside from like, literally just capturing Crimea. But uh, <clears throat> Russia then had a change in command, and it's the, the equivalent of the defense secretary. They had a new guy come in, and then suddenly things were getting beefed up, and now there's a new report out from a Polish uh, military analyst who right. I admire very much who has, he did very in-depth studies to include doing things like accessing open open source photographs and, and looking at the unit patches on, on soldiers' shoulders. And just smart like gumshoe really work. Tra- yeah, I really thought his report was really insightful. As good as a, an intelligence product you might see if you had a classified uh, 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 briefing in the U.S. government. It's really an interesting report. Oh, he did real gumshoe work. And what he found was, 
that these forces are being pre-positioned. They have been pre-positioned right there along the border where they have very quick access to both Ukraine, Belarus. They can do a, a pincher action from Kaliningrad, which a lot of people forget about Kaliningrad being right up there between Poland and Lithuania. It's detached from the main body of the Russian Federation, but it is Russia. So you could do a nice little pincher action if you're a military commander from Russia and you want to act quickly and swiftly with very little pushback, they can do it. They've got their special forces unit stationed there. They've got airborne units, of course, infantry, armor and tank, and of course, electronic warfare units. Yeah. So it's all very interesting. It is. It is indeed. And we, we've heard, um, uh, you know, I, I've talked to a couple of people in the intel world that kind of stepped back at the 30,000 foot level and said, listen, what, what you're really seeing going on is the old Soviet playbook. For the last four years, maybe the last five years, um, Vladimir Putin tied up America in knots with the bogus Russia collusion story, fed some of it to Hillary Clinton, to Christopher Steele. We all got in arms on that. Then we had the Ukraine thing. And while we're all been navel gazing at our own political crises, which often turn out to be nothing burgers, uh, he's been strategically moving to restore, you know, what he sees as the Russian empire. He, he wants, you know, Eastern Europe and the area around him to be dominated by Russia, you know, the way it did under Peter the Great or Alexander the Great. And I think that um, that historical desire of his, he's been executing and, and people need to look at these revelations that you've done in light of that. This is a bigger strategy, right? This isn't some haphazard tea. We'll throw a few troops here and we'll create a little hack here and we'll do that. There, there seems to be a very significant focus on keeping us uh, uh, distracted here in America while he sets his assets in motion around Eastern Europe. Is that a fair read of the people I'm talking to giving us a, a, an honest picture from what you hear from your sources? I think so. And I would agree with that because if, if, uh, if you look at it, does Russia really want to take over the United States? Are these hacks prelude to an invasion, a Red Dawn incident? Right. Absolutely not. Yeah. There's no way that Russia wants us. But what they do want is for us to be distracted and for us not to be able to push back against, as you mentioned, what they feel is their rightful claim to the old Russian empire, yeah. which includes Ukraine. That's, that's a big that's a big get for them. Belarus, Ukraine, they've, they've got a lot of interest in those mm -hmm. countries. Yeah. Yeah, it's a very important uh, thing. And we're, we may be heading into very perilous times if, if Russia is going to assert itself. I mean, it began in 08 with the invasion of Georgia. Uh, then there's the uh, after the Maidan revolution in Ukraine, we saw about six years after the 08 um, invasion six years past 2014. They do the Ukraine Crimea region, and uh, we're now heading into about the six year period again from the last big military incursion. Um, what are your sources telling you about the possibility that Putin might use a little bit of military might to go somewhere? Is there, is there a place on the map that smart U.S. military strategists and security experts are telling you we should be watching? Uh, they're telling me quite a, there, there are quite a few areas, of course, uh, segments of Ukraine, Donbass, uh, that are already just, you know, there's a lot of trouble going on there. So they're telling me, look at other areas in eastern Ukraine, uh, definitely look at Belarus, uh, and that's been going on for quite some time. But also, um, I've been in touch for years with members of, uh, you know, European, eastern European special forces. And what they're, they have been terrified in Estonia, Lithuania, mm. Latvia, wow. because they see 
there is a direct line. If you look at the map, yeah. that uh, Russia could – they could zip in very quickly and very swiftly. In and Estonia. just wouldn't – Yeah, I'm sorry. Yeah. Go, go, go. Keep going. You had a good nope. answer. Go I didn't mean to interrupt. No. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Estonia is such a fascinating country. And, you know, a lot of people don't know this, but the Skype program that we all use was invented in Estonia. It is one of those Soviet republics that once they got freed from communism, uh, flourished as a capitalist society in the midst of a lot of Soviet republics that were still kind of creaky and and otherwise. And, and um, a lot of the people who looked at the Cold War era and say, you know, give me the example of the most successful Soviet Republic to spin off a lot of people, you know, the other Czech, Czech Republic, obviously Poland, obviously, but maybe the third one out of their mouth is Estonia because of all the high tech quarter they've done there. Um, I guess we, uh, uh, Azerbaijan's another one. I think that people will throw up and say that's, you know, been able to move on past the Soviet empire a little bit, but Estonia is, you know, for all of us who don't know it, uh, Skype was invented there and, and, um, uh, it's a it's a growing as a fashion capital has a lot of different things. It would be a horrible outcome if, if all of that got reversed by some conflict with uh, with Russia. Um, what should we be watching for? Does something happen over the holidays early next year? Does Putin wait to see if Biden takes office and gets a feel for him first? Um, any guesses from your your best experts or what you know you see yourself from um, uh, the developments of the last few days? My sources were telling me to expect something around the election. So it looks like based on their predictions, we're a little bit overdue. Okay. But that actually make, that makes sense because, uh, as you know, Putin is a, he's a master uh, you know, chessman and he watches and he makes his move when the time is right. And I think what they're doing is, if, if I were in his position, I would watch to see what kind of chaos we have around the time of the inaugural. And while if, if things blow up here, or if they just get like, so overwhelming that everybody is distracted with dealing with that, then that would be a great time for Putin to make his move in Eastern Europe. Yeah, such a great point and something we should be looking at. You know, I, I, after I read all your great stories, because I've just enjoyed them and they've been on the front page leading the site, people talk about, I went around, you know, I've been trying to read some of the other places, the New York Times and Wall Street Journal and the Financial Times and uh, the, uh, the Times of London not that much discussion about uh, Russia. And I wonder if our media colleagues are, are a little bit asleep at the switch. We, we really do need to keep an eye on this and, um, and, uh, and, and see. Now, the other part of Russia, the distraction part, I, I think perhaps in some degree, is the hacking that we're now starting to get a big picture of. Just yesterday, one of the divisions of Homeland Security that focuses on cybersecurity, uh, said that you know the the hack that was done uh, through I think a company called Solar is it Solar Flare I always forget the name of it but the uh, uh, Solar Solar Wind Solar Wind Fire Eye. Yep. Yep. yeah <laughs> that that entree point into the government and maybe some private sector uh, was a grave threat uh, and I have talked to many people in in the government and you broke a good story there ago that there have been systems shutting down entirely until they can make sure that all credentials and IP addresses are changed. Um, this wasn't just any old hack. This isn't the North Koreans getting uh, the Sony picture archives, right? This was something aimed at the heart of our military security establishment. What are you learning? You've had some great stories on this. What, what, what do you hear, and what were the Russians' intentions in, in pulling this off? My, my forces actually used the words, it's a Pearl Harbor-level attack in the wow. cyber world. Mm. That it was it was huge, and in fact, um, you know, I had the story this week about how the Pentagon took the unprecedented step 
of in the middle of the day shutting down CipperNet, which is the secure sure. internal network. That's unheard of. Hours. It's never happened before. Yeah. It's not not during the day. Like they will do maintenance, say at night when no one is there or few people are there or on weekends. Mm. But this has never happened uh, in the in the middle of the day. So it was that concerning. Wow. And again, what I what I think Russia wants is, of course, you know, vacuum up knowledge. They want yep. information. They want to know our capabilities, what we're thinking, what we're focused on. But they're they're shoring up. They're they're just arming themselves with knowledge. Which, you know, if you think about it, Sun Tzu, the ancient Chinese strategist, said, "Arm yourself with knowledge. Use yeah. spies." And and Russia has taken that to heart. Yeah, no, there's no doubt. I remember a lot of people didn't cover this, and I don't know why I remember this, but at the very end of Leon Panetta's tenure as CIA director, he gave a speech. I think it was at the New York Economic Club. It was right around this time. It was like Christmas. No one was paying attention. And he said, we are within a decade of a Pearl Harbor cyber attack in America. And when I heard you utter those words, I remember the Leon Panetta uh, uh, speech up in New York. And that for some reason, I was tempted to cover it. And you know, it was a really dramatic speech. And people said, oh, my God, you know, Leon Panetta doesn't make bold predictions very often. He's kind of a you know, measured speaker. Uh, this was an alarm bell. And it, it seems like the five alarm fire has now uh, been experienced inside our security establishment. Um, what do we do not only to prevent it? Obviously, how we prevent it will be classified, I'm sure. But uh, what do we do to recover from this? What are the after we get all the bad actors out of our systems? They now have a lot of information, right? So how do we um, adjust to that fact that we may have lost an, an intelligence and information advantage over our enemies and frenemies? I've asked my sources the very same thing, and and what I'm getting is that first we need to assess what was compromised, like what was lost. Yeah. Like, do they have codes, plans? You know, Emails about, you know, people having personal problems that could be then be leveraged to blackmail them. Great point. So it's, it's and what I'm told is that it, it will take years and years oh to, to recover from this. And we've had this happen before. We've lost information to spies, but not on this level. Yeah. And the insidious thing about this is if you look out your window or you go outside, you see Life is going on. You turn on your the, the switch, your lights come on, yep. you get water from the tap, your car engine starts, your life is normal. So you have nothing like, you know, sirens and smoke, you know, and people running for you know, medical care. None of that's going on. So it's easy to get complacent about this. But Such a in great fact, point. It's, a mass, yeah, it's a massive attack. Mm. Wow. Well, you've uh, done such a great job of keeping all the Justin News readers up to speed on this, plus all the other maneuvers that Russia is, is doing in, in particularly the Eastern European theater. And uh, we, we can't thank you enough. As you as you close out the year, Susan, and you look at um, I was like to throw these big, big picture questions at the end of an interview. Um, when you look out at um, the uh, paradigm of 2021 possibility that Joe Biden is president, uh, an Obama-like security establishment being reassembled. What are the biggest national security issues that are going to be facing Americas in 2021 beyond the cyber hack and Russia's aggression, which we've you know, done a good job illuminating here? What else keeps you up at night? What keeps your sources up at night? Well, what, what, I'll tell you what keeps me up at night, and, and I'm not being facetious here, it's the American people uh, being complacent you know, for the reasons I just mentioned, that you know, everything is going fine in everyone's individual lives on a daily basis. It's very easy to ignore what's gone on. So I think 
uh, that what worries me is, are we going to wake up one day or you're in the, you're riding an elevator and suddenly the power goes out and a, a an EMP or an electronic grid hack has been launched. Yeah. And what I'm, what I'm looking at, like my gut tells me, again, not an attack or an invasion, but a huge distraction while something else is going on. For example, is a move being made on Taiwan by China? Is is Russia moving farther into Eastern Europe, and we won't be able to resist? So I, I'm I'm concerned about reshaping. I'm deeply concerned about compromises in our high level politicians. Like for example, um, is anybody really, really, really on our side in mm. high level? Wow, because they've been so corrupted by money or business deals or contacts or other things. I mean, you mentioned a good point. Uh, you can get a lot of great stuff about the intelligence security apparatus, signal codes, whatever, uh, but you can also just find, as we learned uh, with Pete Strzok and, and um, Lisa Page of the FBI, the sort of incriminating personal behavior that can be used to embarrass or leverage someone. Um, uh, early on, I'd, I'd have people come to me and say, why would you even focus on a counterintelligence agent having an affair with an FBI lawyer? And the answer is, well, if it fell into the wrong hands, that person could be compromised. And, and we forget, you know, that was a big part of um, the FBI scandal in Russia with Robert, um, oh my God, I'm going to forget the famous spy from the 90s. Uh, but, you know, Hansen. FBI, yep. Robert Hansen. Uh, sex yep. was one of the many ways that he was compromised and, and brought under control of the Russian um, handlers that he had. And uh, we do need to be uh, 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 cognizant that uh, either through business deals or other personal behavior that there could be an effort to, to compromise our top officials. Very, very, very important. Well, Susan, I can't thank you enough for all you do. You're a fantastic reporter. We're so lucky to have you on television, on radio, and writing these great stories. And um, though I shudder to think because I know the stories you write are serious, I can't wait for the next one to come out because you're, you're always leading us in knowledge and in uh, enlightenment. So we thank, that, thank you so much for what you do. And thank you. I, I, again, like, I love working for you. I love your work. I love what the whole team does. So it's just, it's just like everybody pay attention to just the news. It's doing great stuff. Yeah, it's a fun place to be. We just care about facts. Yeah, we don't care about agenda. Yeah. Uh, we're not in picking winners and losers. We're just trying to get the facts out. And um, you do such a great job of that. So we're, we're thankful. I wish you a Merry Christmas and a wonderful holiday season. And um, folks, we'll come back in a few seconds to wrap things up before we go into the last weekend of uh, uh, the Christmas season here. We'll uh, be back to wrap it up right after these messages from our great advertisers and sponsors. You know what, folks? Stress may be why you can't lose weight. If you've got moderate to high stress like I do, a doctor-formulated weight loss supplement called Lean could be your solution. Chronic stress wreaks havoc on blood sugar, which can cause your body to store excess fat. Stress can also slow your metabolism, which fuels weight gain. And you know all about stress eating and sugar cravings, right? Now the good news. The studied ingredients in Lean have been shown to help maintain healthy blood sugar levels, help optimize metabolism, and keep your appetite under control. Now, if your life is a bit stressful like mine and you want to lose weight, add Lean to your healthy diet and exercise lifestyle. Now, get 15% off and free shipping at TakeLean.com. That's TakeLean.com and enter the promo code JUSTNEWS15. That's the promo code JUSTNEWS15 at TakeLean.com. One more time, TakeLean.com. Statements have not been evaluated by the Food and Drug Administration. This product is not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease, and it's not a substitute or alternative for care from a health care provider. 
All right, folks, that wraps up the Friday edition of John Solomon Reports. I'm so grateful uh, for all that you are uh, doing to support us and to read us and to share the word about us. I'm grateful for the great sponsors and advertisers you just heard from, Kansas City Steaks among them. I just bought a whole bunch of um, steaks for my family and friends. I think it's a great Christmas gift. Um, there are many others. Just support them. Let them know you love them uh, because they support us and make this podcast, this show, this website justthenews.com possible now tomorrow is saturday i don't normally do a podcast on saturday but i want to do something special it's going to be short and sweet only 10 12 minutes remember i told you about tunnels to towers they're doing some amazing things this holiday season one veterans family one police officer's family each day this holiday season is getting their mortgage paid off by this amazing charity i want to tell you the stories of five or six of these people again tomorrow i want to salute the heroes and their families many who have lost their lives in the line of duty or in the line of service in the military i want to shout out a few of the names a few of the people bring them to life so that as you go to your christmas dinner table as you open up your gifts as you celebrate the extraordinary freedom and safety and security this country provides us you can remember some of these heroes Pray for them and their families. Celebrate the fact that this Christmas, their mortgage, that financial burden has been lifted from them, from the good folks at Tunnel to Towers. Um, I want to do this because it's the right thing to do. We should honor and remember these heroes forever. Let's give them a little salute. Saturday special edition, one time only. John Solomon reports tomorrow. Check it out if you want to hear about five amazing heroes in America here and their families, their stories of sacrifice. I can't wait to tell them. All right, folks, have a good Friday night. We'll be back to you soon. Folks, everyone knows the next medical crisis is just around the corner. Whether it comes in the form of a pandemic or something much more mundane like a tick bite, you and your family need to be prepared. That's what we learned from this last pandemic, right? That's where the wellness company comes in. You know the wellness company. We have their great doctors like Dr. Peter McCullough on all the time on our shows. The wellness company and their doctors are medical professionals that you can trust. And the new medical emergency kits are the gold standard when it comes to keeping you safe and healthy, and most importantly, prepared. Be ready for anything. This medical emergency kit contains an assortment of life-saving medications, including ivermectin and z The medical emergency kit provides a guidebook to aid in the safe use of all of these life-saving medications. So you know what you're doing. From anthrax to tick bites to COVID and even the bioweapon like the plague, the wellness company's medical emergency kit is exactly what you need to have on hand to be prepared. Rest assured knowing that you have emergency antibiotics, antivirals, and antiparasitics on hand to keep you and your family safe from whatever the globalists throw your way. Go to www.twchealth/justnews today in order. That's twc.health/justnews and use the promo code justnews to save 10%. At Just the News, we break the stories others in the media ignore or are too afraid to tell. We did it on Russia collusion, Hunter Biden, and the security and intelligence failures that preceded January 6th. Our stories have real impact and reach because we stick to the facts. I'm John Solomon. You can help me expand our honest, unvarnished, and unbiased reporting by becoming a premium member at Just the News. You'll get an ad-free experience and exclusive member-only access to events, and you'll be helping us dig up more truth. Join today at justthenews.com slash subscribe.